Welcome to All Things Alt Tech, a podcast about the digital ecosystem of today and alternative technologies of tomorrow. If you want to get the latest on tech, whether that be social networks, cryptocurrencies, gizmos or gadgets, scams or scandals, this podcast is for you. If you want to hear about privacy and free speech issues, or you just want some general banter on the creepy big tech industry, well, you've come to the right place. So strap in and enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. Today is November 29th, 2020. And today we're going to talk about US tech censorship yet again, and look at whether we might be going towards a Chinese style internet. Hint, we are. Now, first though, I want to mention a few things that I picked up in the most recent big tech hearing, the one that was on November 17th, where the CEOs of Twitter and Facebook testified yet again about allegations of anti-conservative bias on their platforms. Now, Jack Dorsey, he spoke about how Twitter basically needs to ensure civic integrity and also how they need to essentially prevent the undermining of confidence in the election and, you know, whether they need to stop any misrepresentation of the election outcome. Now, first off, since when is that their job, really? Well, I'll tell you, since Biden was crowned as the winner. Now, imagine for a second, though, if the yellow pages started talking like that, or the phone company. I mean, imagine if they said they had to disconnect phone numbers and, you know, hide listings wherever there were mentions about election fraud. I mean, it's ludicrous. The idea is ludicrous. Now, Imagine also if Trump had officially won, there would not have been any concern for misrepresenting the election outcome in that instance. Now, how do we know that, by the way? We know that because Twitter never had a problem with, or Twitter never stepped in to label or correct the the Democrats and their attempt to subvert the electoral vote back in 2016. And they did nothing to combat the egregious lie that was Russiagate either. You know, and all that went on for four years, but there was no need for Twitter to step in and correct the record. Now, Dorsey, he also spoke about how they labeled 300,000 tweets, and he seemed to be quite proud about that. Now, again, how is it actually their job to classify or categorize people's opinions? I, I just don't get it. And... You know, I'm not an expert on election integrity, I'll I'll give you that, but then again, neither is Jack Dorsey or any of his activist staff. Uh, Ted Cruz, he was at it again there, and he took the opportunity to really grill Dorsey once again. Now, he pointed out that, well, Dorsey is not an expert on voter fraud, yet they are putting up labels on virtually every post that even mentions voter fraud. Now, Dorsey said that, uh, well, basically, we just linked to a broader conversation. But, uh, but Cruz wasn't really having any of that. And he said, no, you are linking to a page that declares that voter fraud is exceptionally rare. And so that is not a broader conversation. Well, in fact, it's not even a conversation at all. Now, Dorsey, he recognized, I think, somewhat begrudgingly that censoring that old Hunter Biden laptop story probably just gave it even more attention. This is actually one of the only things that Dorsey seemed to recognize as a mistake on Twitter's end. Now, he recognized it as a mistake, I think, because they did not want the Hunter Biden scandal circulating, especially not before the election. And by the way, you are not even able to share the Hunter Biden story, not even privately in a message. And again, imagine 
you know, Twitter deemed that two people could not exchange information between them. Now, imagine yet again, if your phone company did that to you while you were trying to text somebody. Now, imagine you were sending an SMS and your phone said, message prohibited. I mean, it's ludicrous. But for some reason, this has become acceptable when it's done by big tech. Now, Zuck, on the other hand, he made also, he made a statement and he kind of came across as he usually does these days, you know, kind of clinical, robotic, MBA type, you know, coached and prepped by, you know, his sleazy legal counsel. And he basically just offered up a bunch of, you know, time-wasting lawyerly language. Now, there was one guy that really stuck out, though, and that was Republican Senator Josh Hawley. And he established a pretty interesting fact, actually, namely that Google, Twitter, and Facebook seem to collaborate on censorship. Now, that's not terribly surprising, but actually, stop to think for a second. Big tech are actually colluding to suppress information. So it's not enough that they do it individually. No, they have to collaborate to really create the perfect alternate reality. Anyway, Hawley, he also brought up Facebook's Sintra tool. Now, this is basically an internal Facebook solution that tracks users across the web. Now, Zuckerberg, he tried, I think, very unconvincingly to pretend that he, he didn't know of, know of it. And it was a pretty cringy performance, to be honest with you. Now, Hawley, he did remind Zuck about the fact that Zuck was under oath. And, uh, you know, if I were in Zuck's shoes, I would be very careful about telling blatant lies. Lindsey Graham, he was also there and he took the chance to probe Zuck on some slightly different issues aside from censorship. And namely, he asked Zuck if Facebook is addictive. Now, Zuckerberg, he basically said that, no, it's, it's not designed that way, which is BS. So he basically said that uh, their products, they don't want their products to be addictive. Now, in Zuckerberg's technocratic mind, I'm sure it's designed for engagement and on-site time and that kind of stuff. And, and in his view, I guess that doesn't constitute addiction, you know, in his mechanistic way of thinking. But I think, you know, this is a bit like slinging cocaine and saying, you know, it's not sold with the intention of addiction. I mean, let's get real here for a second. You don't have to look very far to recognize that Facebook and Instagram are both extremely addictive. I mean, look around you. Look around you at all the zombies, you know, swiping through endless feeds and chasing one more dopamine hit. So I think, again, Zuck should be careful telling outright lies. But then again, I guess... He knows that, you know, with the incoming administration in the U.S., whom he helped elect, he's probably going to be let off the hook in case of any real trouble. Now, Joe Biden, he is apparently on his way into office, the way things stand right now. So I think, you know, we can forget about any cracking down on antitrust in big tech or any, you know, repealing of Section 230 or any restricting surveillance capitalism. Because, you know, big tech helped elect Biden. It, it's made sure to thwart any real critical analysis of the results or any real discourse around it. So, and by the way, do you think Twitter and Facebook would have been so keen to carpet every tweet and message and post with labels if Trump had officially won and Biden had challenged the results? I don't think so. Anyway, I think where we are going is towards a more censored, more sanitized corporate internet where the party comes first. 
and any questioning of the new great leader will probably be cracked down upon. And there is actually a pretty good example of exactly what this looks like. China. Now, hear me out here, because let's look at what the Chinese government say officially. They say that they are basically just out to protect the safe flow of information and that it actively, they actively just guide people to manage websites under the law and they, they want people to use the internet in a wholesome and correct way. Well, question number one. Well, who gets to determine that correctness, I wonder? And I think this is actually pretty similar to Jack Dorsey's statements. I mean, like he said, uh, right at the very opening in the hearing, he said they're out to seek to ensure civic integrity and to prevent the undermining of confidence in the government and so forth. Not that he was ever elected to do so, or that the majority of people are even asking him to do it, but he's going to do it anyway because he's in power and he gets to act as an apparatchik for whichever party he happens to like. Anyway, looking to China, where the uh, merger of corporate and state powers is basically complete, the censorship you get there is far more advanced and widespread than in the West so far. So for example, streaming companies, they have to set up a censorship department and they actually have to vet all the up uploaded material before they can even be posted online. And they also have to set up systems to punish uploaders of unapproved or illegal material. But come to think of it, actually, YouTube already does that. You know, they have their three-strike policy and they have their, you know, deplatforming threats and so forth. And Twitter, you know, they, all, they frequently demand users delete offending posts until they can uh, resume their activity. So we're halfway there. Now, China, they also put police units in the actual offices of the big internet companies. Now, obviously, the government officially positions this as some kind of a crime-fighting initiative, you know, that the police is there to help react more swiftly to online crimes and so forth. Crimes of expression, I guess that is. Now, the Chinese, they obviously censor any kind of unfavorable information, such as, for example, there was a documentary on the grave problems of air pollution in China. And even any discussion around those kind of issues will be scrubbed out. And this is actually very similar to the Soviet response to Chernobyl. You know, there couldn't even be any kind of recognition of there being a problem. Because we all know, all issues go away if you just stop talking about them. And I would expect similar kind of speech control to come to a social network near you in the not-too-distant future. Now, I've actually been to China, and, and I had to endure the, the Chinese firewall, and I'll tell you, it is very bizarre. Now, when you use Baidu, which is basically their Google, and you perform certain searches, certain forbidden searches, you'll be met with a blank screen, and uh, you'll get a notification basically stating that, you know, the search you performed does not comply with our regulations. And there are certain really sensitive words, such as anything to do with the 4th of June, or anything kind of resembling the 1989 Tiananmen Square protests, that'll give you exactly that, blank answers. Now, some of the obedient businesses in China, being good little boys, you know, they have, they have gone so far as to suspend the use of certain emojis, such as the candle icon, because users used this icon, this emoji, to commemorate and mourn the dead on the 4th of June. 
And obviously you couldn't have that. Now it goes beyond emojis though, because you see the Chinese, they have no tolerance for memes either. Now here's a funny one. In fact, the Disney character, Winnie the Pooh, he is quite systematically removed from the Chinese internet because there was a viral meme that basically compared Xi Jinping to uh, Winnie the Pooh. Now, obviously the Chinese, they have no tolerance for that kind of stuff. They have no tolerance for Winnie the Pooh, absolutely not. Because they consider that this caricature undermines the authority of the presidential office. So any kind of movie or TV series related to Winnie the Pooh in the slightest will be banned in China. Now, you would think that this kind of tyrannical, humorless ban on satire, you know, it's totally alien to us and it could not possibly happen outside of China. Now, think again. Think about this. I mean, Twitter already bans you for telling a journalist to learn to code. It can ban you for saying that a man is not a woman. So I fully expect big tech to protect old hair-sniffing Joe Biden just as carefully as the Chinese protect Xi Jinping from any Disney references. Now, if you want to operate an, an online business in China, you have to abide by Chinese government demands, such as having an actual internal content monitor in your office. And actually, most Western businesses, they do bend their knee, they do comply, and they do sculpt their services to stay in the good books and stay in business. And actually, even MySpace, they're still around in China. And they sure have bent their knee, actually. So apparently, they even created a feature to report misconduct of other users. So you can basically report other users to Big Brother if they commit such you know, heinous offenses as subverting the government or undermining national unity or spreading rumors or anything like that. Now, none of the Western companies, actually, small or large, care about the fact that they are enabling totalitarianism because they want to get to the money. That's why you go to China. And I think that's true for corporations such as Yahoo, AOL, Microsoft, you name it. In fact, as we already know, Google even created a censorable search engine for China, but they just happened to get busted doing so. Now, remember, China is the largest addressable single market out there, apart from the US. So it's basically make money first and worry about the consequences of fascism later. Now, the scary thing is this type of technocratic authoritarianism seems to work, mechanically speaking. I mean, China has created this kind of curated online reality quite effectively. And, you know, I've even met Chinese people who are pro-censorship. So apparently you can learn to love the system, as absurd as it is. Now, I think what's so dangerous about this type of system is that, you know, all this redacting of unpalatable truths and stifling conversations and so forth, there is a backside to all of that. Now, if you compare China to what we're doing in the West, I mean, we're talking about enabling more social unity. We we're talking about now that Biden is in office, we have to come together and so forth. Well, that's all fine. But taking a step back here, look at what happened when the coronavirus broke out in China. Nobody trusted the Chinese media. Nobody trusted this narrative that was being told and curated online. In fact, I mean, you couldn't even freely communicate about the virus. Conversations on messaging apps and so forth, they were being stomped out. So naturally, people thought that the truth was being hidden. 
You know, nobody bought the data around cases and deaths and fatality rates and so forth. So people trusted, you know, the organic social media clips more, you know, the ones showing Chinese authorities welding buildings shut, you know, the ones with people falling over dead in the streets and so forth. People suspected that the real truth was being suppressed in the name of unity and cohesion and so forth. And they trusted all this unredacted anecdotal information much more. So we panicked. The Chinese, the Europeans, the Americans, even the Asians, we all panicked because we had no idea what was going on. Now, I would posit that this would not have happened had you had an open, honest internet and a free media in China. And instead, you got this Streisand effect on steroids. You got this complete mistrust and this total panic. And similarly, in the U.S., because of all this stifling of the conversation about election fraud, more people are probably going to believe it. And I think they're going to be even more infuriated when they are shadow banned, when they're deplatformed and social media and so forth. So I would say prepare for more conspiracy theories, more distrust and more rage on all fronts. What do you think? Is it time for a timeout from corporate media altogether? Are we in for more unity or less? Do you think it's up to Jack and Zuck to ensure civic integrity? Let me know in the comments or email me on podcast at nyman.media. That's podcast at n-y-m-a-n dot media. I'm always keen to hear what you think. And as always, thanks for listening. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening. If you want to comment on an episode, suggest a topic, or you want to support the podcast, visit nyman.media slash podcast. That's n-y-m-a-n dot media slash podcast. You can also help out by leaving a review wherever you're listening from. And thanks for listening.